You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org. So once again, my name is Megan Davis. I've been a member here for about six years. Um, I'm humbled to be preaching on such a special Sunday for so many. We have two baptisms today, and we've got Pastor Tim in the house, so I am honored to be up here standing in front of you today. Um, Our text this morning is from John 13, 31 through 35, and I invite you now to stand as you are able for the reading of the Holy Scripture. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, I ask that as I preach in this time, may the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our hearts be good pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Friends, you may be seated. So today's word is um, an interesting freeze frame in Jesus's story, and it serves as a flash of light in between two very dark moments. Right before our scripture starts, Judas had slipped away into the night to betray Jesus. Jesus had just done this beautiful thing of washing the disciples' feet to set an example of what he wanted them to do once he was gone. And he mentions then that one of them will betray him. And Jesus even hands Judas a last piece of bread and tells him, do quickly what you are going to do. And Judas sets out and the whole series of events is set in motion. And right after our text, Simon Peter is asking Jesus where he's going, and Jesus repeats that where he goes, they cannot follow now, but they will follow afterward. And Simon Peter says, well, why can't I follow you? I'd I'd lay down my life for you. And here Jesus sort of scoffs at this. He says, will you lay down your life for me? Because I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times which I have to say had to be a gut punch uh, for Simon Peter. He wants so badly to prove to Jesus that he's ride or die, literally, and that he's being told no in the end, uh, you will run from your association with me in shame. So we have a text about betrayal and then a text about denial. And in between those two is love. But we'll come back to that because first, let's address the circular speech elephant in the room. That is, the son of man is glorified and God is glorified in him. And if so, God will glorify him and himself and him all at once. I'm sure that there are many 
learned scholars who can talk about, who can talk for hours about just this one line, and I am not that scholar. Um, so what I will say is that I believe that this is a nod to the Trinity. And I am going to invoke Richard Rohr, who gives my favorite explanation of this, um, that God is three relations and never an isolated deity that can be captured by our mind. He says, God is formless, the Father, um, form, the Son, and God is the very living and loving energy between those two, the Holy Spirit. This Trinity is a never-ending circular rotation, a divine dance, or perichoresis, a dance of total outpouring and perfect receiving among three partners. And Rohr paints the picture that the shape of God mirrors the shapes of the universe, from atoms to ecosystems to galaxies. And thinking of the Trinity like this does two things. It invites us to stop thinking in terms of duality, which is a bit of a brain buster at times, and brings a sense of equality to our relationship with God. If the spirit is within us and we are part of this dance, this divine orbit between the triune God, then we're connected on the same plane. It's hard to dance with someone when God is on a lofty throne in the clouds or you're a part of a hierarchical pyramid with God at the pinnacle. When you dance, you're side by side, hand to hand, breath to breath. Dance is a mirroring movement. And to dance with someone establishes a connection between two bodies, an invisible energy or thread. It's a much more intimate relationship and you are an equal partner not an ant to be looked down upon from high, um, because if God is within us, then we exist within the Trinity and we are part of the dance. So going back to the text, immediately it starts, when Judas had gone out, Jesus says that now the Son of Man and God have been glorified. But when he says this, the final act hasn't happened yet. In this moment, there is no arrest or trial or crucifixion. But it's as if to Jesus, it's done. He sees it now as if it's happened already. And he begins to embody a sense of praise and love. Sitting in this liminal space between betrayal and denial, he chooses to inject love and light into this dark space, which has been a refrain that Jesus has made throughout the book of John, that he is a light in the dark. He is not only the truth and the life, but he is the way. Over and over, he says, says I am the light. And in John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And in John 9, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And in John 12, walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. He has been telling them all along, stay in close communion with me. While I am here, I will show you the way. You do not have to be afraid. But then in John 13, he says, little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. This also has been a refrain throughout John. As he points out, I've, I've been telling them, I've been saying where you are going, where I am going, you cannot come. I have to go through this transfiguration. 
and I have to do this alone. So I'm going to give you a commandment to sustain you, and that commandment, before this next series of events starts, is to love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. He says in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. So in two chapters, Jesus has glorified God for his impending sacrifice, warned the disciples that they cannot follow him on this next path, but let them know that it's okay because he will continue to light their way and bring them to him while at the same time give them truth, which he is also, and imbue them with spirit, which he is also. And man, we are right back to that triune God. It's almost as if as soon as the path to crucifixion was set into play, Jesus stopped thinking in a linear fashion. Well, he probably never thought in linear fashion, but he knew that he had very little time uh, to tell his disciples all that he wanted to say. So he just started telling them all the things that were going to happen and that to him already had. It's, it's a Marvel movie. It's, it's just everything all at once uh, and there's a space-time continuum and, you know, but really I would be disappointed if the one true you know, God, Son, Spirit, if their capacity for understanding the universe wasn't like, I would be disappointed if their understanding wasn't like yours beyond that of any of us or a Hollywood screenwriter or a quantum entanglement theorist. Um, I, I'm really glad that he's, you know, um, I'm glad he dumbed it down uh, for the most part so that I could latch on to some things. You love me perfectly and completely and forever? Got it, love it, I'm in. Um, and speaking of love, that was Jesus's last call to action. Richard Rohr likes to call it flow instead of love, and that's the invisible current he sees running through the Trinity between us and each other, and I like that. Uh, I, I like to think of love as energy we give and receive from one another, but I don't want us to cop out. Let's call it what it is. It's love. God said, love one another. And what does that mean? He said to love one another as he has loved us, which carries even more loaded meaning. That means self-sacrifice. It means being willing to humble yourself in service to others. It means service to others. Um, it means spending time in relationship with those around you. It means caring that they are taken care of and doing something about it. But loving each other the way Jesus loves us I think it can be intimidating. It's, it's pretty lofty. And while I'm sure that everyone in this room is still wearing their WWJD stretchy bracelets, <laughs> loving the way that Jesus loves us doesn't always feel like something that's easy to embody. So we're going to call on another scholar who I also greatly respect, Ms. Bell Hooks, who says that to truly love, we must learn to mix various ingredients, care, affection, recognition, respect, commitment, 
trust, as well as honest and open communication, all those actions rolled into one means, as she likes to quote from Scott Peck, the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or one another's spiritual growth. So, so what does that mean then? It means love is action. It is intention, it is choice, and it's circular. To truly give love, you must also be open to receiving it. You can't open that part of you and expect the energy to only be allowed to flow one way. That's, that's not how the dance works. The person you love will be a mirror for you. Just like most human beings are mirrors for us and we respond to them often to the extent that we do of what we do or do not like about ourselves. So of course, that means in order to get really good at loving others, loving yourself is a great start and worth the effort. So the question is, if we know how to love, who as a society do we give each other permission to love? Do we only get to love and be in relationship with the virtuous? Do we only love those who make us feel safe when we look in their mirror? Do we love only when they do not challenge who we think we are as good Christians or progressive thinkers or just loving humans? It's easy to love those who don't give feedback, who don't complain that we chose the food pantry items or the toy drive toys for them instead of giving them the dignity to choose for themselves who don't question why someone from our particular culture or race wants to be a part of their life, or someone who points out that we don't really want to be a part of their life. We just want to check the box that said we did our good deed and then go off to sleep blissfully in our beds at night. Humans are messy. We are complicated and broken from all the little loves we did not receive from other humans. And sometimes, even though we know better, we still think we have to earn our space in God's love. And we focus on how to earn their love for ourselves. We focus on us, on I, on up to the clouds, to the God who is safer because they are not standing right beside us. But that's a lie. We are in the dance right now, whether we know it or not. The sacrifice has already happened. The first things have passed away and God came to dwell with us and in us. The son of man and God and spirit have been glorified and all things have already been made new. It is done. The kingdom is here and it's sitting right beside you. What happens to you happens to me. And if something is hurting you and I can stop it, it is a commandment for me to get involved, to extend myself for the purpose of nurturing my own or another's spiritual growth. And really aren't the two intertwined. When I nurture your growth, I nurture my own. And there is God right in the middle saying, what are you waiting for? So on this day, as we walk out into the world and go on about our lives and get tangled up with jobs and babies and housing, I want you all to find one person, 
one person who you have not loved yet and could and ask them to dance. Thank you. Good morning again. If we haven't met, my name is Karina and I have the great honor of leading us through a time of communal prayer this morning. This will be a time for joining our hearts together and with God. So when I say, Lord, in your mercy, I will pause so that we may all respond out loud, or if you're joining with us digitally, you may type this into the comments. Lord, hear our prayer. Before we get started, I always like to take a moment for us to just take a deep breath in. So join me. And out. Holy and ever knowing God, we come to you once again on this beautiful Sunday morning. Some of us come tired, anxious, joyful, hopeful, or hopeless. We also come to you with heavy hearts this morning as we have heard the news of yet another act of senseless gun violence in our country. How long, O oh Lord, must we continue praying and fighting for regulated gun laws in this country? We pray for the families of the 10 individuals whose lives were taken and the three who are recovering from their injuries. We also pray for the gunman, an 18-year-old boy who, God, you love also. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray for the city we call home. We pray for those who live on our streets and are overlooked every day. For Wayne and William and Willie who all take refuge and rest on our steps. We pray for our clergy, whether they're in churches, hospitals, prisons, or shelters. We pray for the elections currently happening in our city, that we may prayfully consider who to put our support behind. We pray for the folks who work and seek medical attention at the Planned Parenthood right across the street from our building. We pray for our community pantry and the hands who fill it. May, we be our, may our acts be reflections of your love for us. Lord, in your mercy. Ever-loving God, we cry out to you through our anger and our tears, but we also praise you for the joys in our lives. We praise you for our communities, for our families, whether that be blood or chosen ones. We thank you for our churches, specifically our community here at Eastside, for the moments where we are able to safely come together and literally break bread together. To laugh and to cry together, we thank you for the fresh air that fills our lungs when we step outside, for our furry friends at home who provide us with unconditional love and happiness. We thank you for the children that fill this old building with their joyful noises and youthful presence. We thank you for Hartley and Lewis who will be baptized today. May we be mirrors of what radical love and community look like. Lord, in your mercy. Now in this time, I will just take a couple minutes for us to silently reflect and to confess. God of reconciliation, we thank you that no matter the state of our world or the state of our hearts, nothing can quite separate us from your love. God, we thank you that we can acknowledge our own shortcomings and with that, find grace. 
Help us live into the hope that is today and every day. God, may our words of confessions be accompanied by acts of reconciliation. Siblings in Christ, hear the good news. Christ died for us when we were yet sinners and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God and amen. I now invite you to pass the peace with one another. And if you're online, send a text to someone you love. Send to that person that maybe came to mind when Megan was preaching. Peace be with you. I invite you to stand for the benediction. As you go out into the world, may you be the kingdom of heaven here on earth and love one another fiercely and well in the name of our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Have a good Sunday. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you'd like to experience our full church services, you can find them at youtube.com slash eastsidechurchatl. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Eastside, you can find our giving portal at our website, eastsideatl.org. Be well.